0: Wow! Awesome deal. There's nothing like being with our East Coast family, so it's good to be here. And uh, I am going to be on my game. Thanks, uh, Thanks, Bob. Um, we're going to go for that and uh, and get it done today. Is that all right? Everybody doing well? I'm guessing we're better since we got here, right? That's an awesome deal. Wow, this whole room is full. I think I'm still trying to like get my mind around the the room being full, full in here is awesome. Well, we always have a good week, of course, when we uh, get to go stay at uh, Robert and Linda's uh, and spend the time over here that we get to. And uh, what a cool deal to have this marriage retreat. I could have just sit and listened to you guys' stories all day. I'd have been fine. That would have been amazing. And it's interesting, as I was listening to that, that I had... Uh, A little bit of what I had in mind for today is going to connect to all that, which was really cool. I didn't even know that was going on until uh, till the other day. So um, anyways, let me get uh, right to it. You guys know me enough that I don't have to say a whole lot more. If you don't have hope equals bold yet, you need to get a uh, copy of that. We've got some of those out there. Uh, if, you don't, if you're don't, if you not able to get it today, you can get it on our website uh, or on Amazon. If you do Amazon Prime, you can have it in two days. That's a cool deal, right? Order it today, have it by Tuesday. Thank God for technology getting stuff done, right? Uh, matter of fact, when I had this printed, I was having my Copies uh, sent to me from the printer, and I showed up at our congregation on a Sunday morning, and somebody already had a copy before I had my copies. I said, how did you get my copy? <laughs> they said, we just ordered it from Amazon Prime and it was here. I said, what? anyway, so anyway, it got to them quicker than me. I'm in the middle of my next book. I told you guys last year, we're no, I'm not in the middle any longer, I'm past the middle. It's in the re, uh, revision stage. I got some people going through it, uh, getting some first edits happening because i take about 10, 12 edits before it ever gets released. Uh, even when it's down to a book this thin, it takes a lot. I'm not gonna say that I am naturally actually gifted with writing. I just happen to have something to say, so we'll let everybody else fix the writing part Why I try to say it. Is that all right? So uh, it's uh, it's in process. hope that it will be um, available uh, for the holidays, I think. Should be able to be out. Uh, it's titled Shut the Hell Up and Be Bold. Uh, and uh, we'll just... We'll just go ahead and say it, right? If it bothers you, you'll have to get over it because that's the way we're going for it because the reality is is that the hell that you're experiencing is the deceptions that you believe. And if you don't want to experience hell any longer, then you're going to have to shut the hell up and step into a better situation that's available for you. So we're just saying it straightforward because the reality is, is that some of us need to be able to stop the madness that's going on in our mind that's creating the madness and the chaos that's going on in our life. Because what's going on in our inner world is always reflected in our outer world. So if you look around the situations of your life and you don't find, uh, or the parts that you don't find that are very enjoyable, pleasant, or thriving, then the reality is, is you've got areas within you that are not pleasant, uh, advancing, or thriving. And when you begin to get your inner world together, you'll begin to see your outer world become into a much greater situation. So matter of fact, I even left a, uh, an Eric Reader original painting this morning. I can't tell you the last time I've had a paintbrush in my hand, but it goes along with that because the reality is, is when we have light that enters, the chaos leaves. And so wherever areas you're finding chaos in your life is because light is not there yet. In other words, there's darkness in play because darkness should be able to be more understood as unknowing. We've kind of created it into something, quote, evil, but the reality is it's simply the place of not knowing. So any area of life that we are not knowing what's happening, we're walking in darkness in that area. But the, but the amazing news is, is there's always light, or in other words, there's always knowing that can come into our unknowing. So isn't that fun to even take that and to think about that a little bit when it comes to Genesis 1, even when we see the idea that there was darkness, and then God said, what? Let there be, let there be knowing. So let all that is come into the knowing of who it really and actually what it actually is. And so for you in your own life, where are the areas uh, within your family, within your marriage, within your finances, within your future, within your purpose that you need to be able to step into light and begin to carry out all of who you are. And so I thought maybe I would give a few things uh, today that would maybe help us have a few little things to add to our spiritual growth and perhaps a few little things uh, to uh, move us forward in our mindset development. How many of you recognize that it really requires that, uh, that uh, life at its fullest really requires an enormous amount of spiritual growth with an enormous amount of mindset development? Can I hear better? Amen. You can do one or the other, but if you're missing on both of them, you're still going to be lacking. We're obviously a holistic being, and it takes a lot for us to move beyond uh, the areas that want to restrict us. So I thought I would maybe mention uh, Ezekiel, or not Ezekiel, he's over here, uh, mention, uh, mention Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. It says that he's put eternity... Within the hearts of man. And so I thought I would leave a first little thought for you guys to just consider is that the idea or the understanding, perhaps the definition of eternity that could help us a little better would be to move away from the idea of eternity being understood through the lens of time. Because, um, because time is simply, and I've, I think I've said this here before, uh, the idea of time and the concept and the element of time has been something that man has created. We have been the ones who has designed the idea and came up with the idea of how to measure that which is going away and that which is coming. Does that make some sense? So how whatever age you are is simply letting you know what's went away and you're looking at ages that you're looking to move forward to, right? So unfortunately, eternity has always looked at this, uh, of this idea of timelessness or beyond time or outside of time. And in reality, at any moment, you can, you can always step out of time. At any moment, you stop being controlled by it. You can move into timelessness any moment that you want to stop calculating time. And it's actually a pretty good thing to do every now and again, perhaps even every day. We call it rest. When you go to sleep, you come outside of time. You're no longer functioning within the control of time. You've laid yourself down, if you will, and allowed yourself to be timeless. That's fun every night, right? And then that alarm goes off and you're back into time all of a sudden. So I think, if we, I think just to give us some things to think about, because I know I'm always under this extreme pressure when I show up at my lab, known as the house, <laughs> that I'm going to have to figure out something I haven't said before just to see if it will fly or not. So, uh, so I, I wanted to give us the idea that perhaps eternity is not about timelessness. Eternity is about boundlessness. for god has put eternity within the hearts of man is not about the idea that god is put within the heart of every man this idea of infinity he's put within us the boundlessness of his nature god is is the eternal god doesn't mean he's the god without time it means he's the god without bounds he's the unlimited one can you hear that he's the one that is always and forever if you will, beyond what we can come up with, beyond what is, he is always other, if that makes some sense. And so eternity should be or could be looked at with the understanding of boundlessness. And we know that God has put boundlessness within the hearts of every human because if you put humans in bondage, what happens? In any kind of bondage. Mental bondage, emotional bondage, uh, physical bondage. Whenever humans are experiencing bondage, there's, a, there's, a, uh, there's an intense reaction to do whatever is necessary to get beyond that bondage. Am I right about it? We either, we either approach it that way or we shut down and we actually begin to deteriorate. And so it's the way we've been designed, and I want to suggest to us, and I want to challenge us to begin to ask the questions of where in your life are you living within bondage instead of living the eternal life that you've actually been given? For the gift of God is eternal life, boundless life but we've had so much concentration that this idea of eternal life is this idea of what we get after our physical body stops working. We're not headed to eternity. We're already in it. Even within the, even within the framework of time, if you will, uh, the, if you're even grading it that way, if this is something called time, eternity is all, is all of that. Time is already within, within eternity. It's just because we've created this as markers along the way in the journey of eternity. So you're not something that's going to ever stop. Thanks, Lori. That really mixed me up there for a second. You are, you are already eternal. You are eternal from the moment that you became Everybody is. There's not anyone that's not already eternal. Every one of us were made to live boundless. So where is it that you find yourself bound that you need to step into your eternalness? And you step into your eternalness by stepping into light. Because light isn't about a light bulb. Light should be understood as knowing. When we consider light as knowing, then we have the opportunity to realize, even, yeah, I love it. Um, uh, the scripture says that he is the father of what? The father of light. He's the father of knowing. He's the procreator of knowing. He's where knowing comes from. He's the source of knowing. He is, the, uh, he is the origin, if you will, of knowing. He is the one that brings all things into its knowledge. do doing all right? So we, we should be those who are who stop with this idea that darkness means bad and light means good, and we can understand darkness is simply unknowing and light is knowing, and so it could perhaps help us to even move away from such a judgmental, critical, finger-pointed nature from within Christianity that says, oh, you're not over here in the light with us, us good ones. You're over there in dark. The bad ones. And maybe even a little bit of this can help us move away from us versus them. And we can simply begin to move with compassion in the reality that they just simply don't know. So we actually begin to be a people and a family amongst everybody that begins to say, well, we've come into light in this area and you simply happen to be someone who's not had that knowing yet. Because we get to come into his marvelous, his marvelous knowing. The magnificence of knowing. Knowing. I loved it up here uh, with this purpose train. It is crazy what life becomes like when you come into the light of your purpose. When you come into the knowing of who you are, your identity. When you come into the knowing of why this marriage is even existing. When you come into the light of why this family is here. When you come into the light of a business that's within you that gets to be expressed out of you. In other words, it gets to shine because you begin to live like, or you begin to live life like a city on a hill that's not underneath a bushel. But the knowing that you now have gets to shine among men and that becomes the light the knowing of the world that you get to bring through your existence so we should then maybe perhaps take another little step and think about the idea of knowing as the idea of covenant This connects with this marriage situation this weekend, because how many of you know a little bit of King James? The good old KJV is good enough for Peter. It's good enough for me. Oh, now you're getting it, right? Now you're getting it. Sixteen eleven. Don't worry about that Geneva Bible that was done before that. It's only about KJV, right? Don't worry about uh, imperial dominance trying to control Christianity. Oh, oh, never mind. We're back over here. (laughs) (sighs) Rabbit trails go quick. Jesus. Okay. Right here. Where was I? Oh, the KJV. The KJV uses the terminology that a man would know his wife. We understand that in the context of intimacy, of knowledge, right, of knowing. In other words, when you come into the, what we call the marriage covenant is that you've come into the place of giving yourself to a lifetime of knowing the other and being known by the other. Because we've made covenant about legal terms, we still perceive and process the idea of covenant through legal bounds instead of the relational understanding that it's about knowing. When you come into covenant, you are always coming into knowing. You are submitting and surrender, you're surrendering yourself to the place of knowing. Even within business covenants and business contracts, you are actually, you know, some of them are pretty thick. They writes out a whole lot of what you need to know. When you work with someone in a business covenant or a business partnership, you will experience knowing what that situation's like. Am I right about it? So when we have, when our mind is able to move away, if you will, a little bit from the typical understanding of these and begin to look through the process that even we should or that we can even begin to recognize biblically when we see and uh, see the term covenant, we can allow our minds to open a bit to begin to say it's actually more about knowing than it is about a contract. So let's plug that in a little bit. There's been multiple knowings of God recorded all throughout scripture. We call them covenants, but they're actually simply the knowing that mankind had of God in that moment. Abraham had a knowing. We call it the Abrahamic covenant, right? Noah had a knowing. Noah had a knowing. (laughs) Noah had a knowing. It's called the Noahic covenant. David had a knowing of God. It's called the Davidic covenant. Are you following me? All of those knowings of God were something less than the ultimate knowing that Jesus Christ gave us, that we call the better knowing. We call it the superior knowing. It's in Jesus that we have the full knowledge, the full knowing, because we are called his marriage, his marriage partner, the bride. Am I right about it? We're the ones who are in, we say this, we say we're those who are in covenant with him, but we're actually those who are in knowing. And we're giving our full life and our full existence and all the boundlessness of what we have and all the knowing that we can come into to be known and to know. And there is nothing more thrilling, more valuable, more important, more impacting to the human soul than to be known and to be knowing. There's nothing deeper that we say than to be in covenant with someone. In other words, we're really saying there's nothing more powerful than to come into knowing. In other words, there's nothing more powerful than walking in light. For Jesus is the light of the world. He is the knowing for all of the world, the knowing of God that supersedes David's knowing, that supersedes Moses' knowing, that supersedes David and Abraham and all of the knowings before, and it's still the superior knowing as we're trying to walk further in that light even now. So can I maybe help us, if you will, push beyond just a little bit of the idea that we are simply those of a covenant we are actually those of a knowing? So you get to check in with Jesus to see if you know God well or if you're still missing it in areas. In other words, you get to check in with the light to see what areas you still have darkness. In other words, it's about relationship instead of some, uh, some contractual situation that was set up because God is not a God of, co- of contract. He's a God of relationship. There is no contract hanging over God's head. But we say that as if it is, because then we have all kinds of stuff of even people who want to say what we see recorded in old covenant situations was God surrendering to a contract he was in. God doesn't live under a contract. God lives under knowing. He happens to know all. So he has the opportunity in a relationship to communicate. And we get to be those who both communicate back. God, I don't even know this about you. This area of darkness is what's still dominating my life. But I can always step into that marvelous light and come into an entirely new place of knowing. So it's crazy that even in Genesis 2, when we see this whole right instruction, if you eat from this, you will surely die. Death, if you will, isn't about something ending as much as about something that never gets to live. When you live in darkness, you're never really getting to live. So when we step into buying into the uh, deception that God isn't who God said he is and you're not who, you sa- uh, who he said you are, then you've now stepped into a darkness that begins to dominate your life It's as if it's, a great, it's like a great abyss. It's like an utter darkness that constantly creates the wailing and gnashing of teeth. Because it becomes a life dominated by not knowing who you are and not knowing who he is, which creates all kinds of activity and all kinds of actions that is out of our woundedness and our brokenness from being in darkness instead of living in light. So the solution, if you will, the salvation, the answer is light, is knowing. And you and I get to be those Who carry that light? Because it's interesting in the Young's uh, literal translation, it records the words, instead of you, you shall surely die. It says the words that in dying, thou dost die. In dying, thou dost die. That's, I don't know how to translate out of that old English. How do you do that? D-O-S-T, dust. Doest, doest, thank you. Dying, thou doest die. You can see how much I read old English. It's not about you're going to do this and then you're going to fall over. It's It's that as you continue to live in darkness, you're in the process of not living. The more darkness that you exist in, the more not living you're doing. So what level of light will you come in so you can actually do a lot of living? And so if we can understand that a bit, I thought I would drop off a little bit of the idea then because what we have communicated Genesis 2 to be, and this command to not eat that, and then they did do that, we communicated this idea that we call sin, which is a word biblically that means to miss the mark. Am I right about it? It's that archery term, right? Like you're aiming at the bullseye, and if you miss the bullseye, it's missing the mark. It's sin. And so unfortunately, Christianity has still lived like Judaism and still makes the Mosaic law the mark to be aimed at. That could be a challenging pill to swallow, but it's the reality. In a lot of ways, Christianity has still not left Judaism. We still live under Moses more than we live under Jesus, and so when we allow our minds to open to that and begin to ask the question, if sin is about missing the mark, we should at least start asking, what's the mark? I don't want to look to Moses for the mark. Moses isn't the light. Jesus is the light. I don't want to look to Abraham. He's not the light. Jesus is the light. I don't want to look to anywhere else except Jesus to get the knowing of what mark I should be aiming my life at. And the mark that Jesus gave us that we to be aiming our life at is the mark of knowing Father and knowing who you are. So the mark that to be aimed at, then is to come into the light in the knowing of who God is, in the knowing of who you are, in the areas that you don't know God and don't know yourself, is the place of sin. It's hard to even say that without your mind running immediately to the bad actions that you do. But I'm not talking about the bad actions. The bad actions are simply fruit, not the root. But Christianity is so consumed with behavioral modification, we never actually get to the root cause that's producing the bad behavior. The root of the bad behavior is the lack of knowing and the bondage that that puts us in. So when we can understand that sin is missing the mark, basically, I'll say it like this, is missing what God's like and who you are. That's sin. And that's what Jesus came to do away with. For we're told that he took away the sin of the world. He took the darkness, he took the unknowing and brought light so that we could quit missing the mark of what Father's like and who you actually are. And when we come into the light of that, it it looses us from the bondage that has wounded us entraps us and puts us into all kind of bad behavior because now we know we don't have to live in that mess. We can actually live in the fullness of life that we've always been intended to live in. So we get to come out of, trying to make this quick, right? boundless we just stepped out of time and into eternity it's called time travel so if we're doing this this is this is uh this is a section in my new book all of that's kind of in there this is particularly a part that's in uh, that's in shut the hell up and i haven't shared it anywhere yet I save something for my house family every year. I just save it. Right on, huh? Now I come out of here and I'm like, well, that'll go or no, maybe it won't. Never mind. <laughs> Safety, is awesome. Safety is awesome. And so when we begin to understand that what happens with sin because we don't know and we're bound by the, the bondage of darkness and what we see that really happened in the beginning uh, that, we're, that we're told in the beginning of the book of Genesis in chapter three with the whole garden story, which I'm extremely excited about that becoming maybe more paramount uh, in some dialogue and discussion. But the reality is, is what happened uh, in the garden in that moment, whoop that other pen works better, is that the that humanity because we have to see Adam and Eve beyond just two people. And since we covered the idea that death is the in dying you doest die. In other words, you just stop living. The trinity of death isn't about you falling over dead Or is stopping your existence because you never stop your existence. So in that, we have to understand that what took place when man stepped out of light, out of knowing and into darkness by buying in and receiving the deception of who God isn't and who they're not and this whole demand that now since you're not who God said you are, you're going to have to begin to take matters into your own hand and you're going to have to start doing some things in order to make yourself better you're going to have to start following the law in order to be good enough to be with God. That's what the garden story tells us about. It's the place where humanity buys in that I'm not important, valuable, lovable enough. In other words, it is the embrace, I am not enough. And because of that, I'm going to have to do something more to make myself more enough so that God will be okay with me. That is always the law. Whenever you utilize moral practices in order to make yourself qualified, you've now put yourself under the bondage of the law. Love says you're already loved. Without performance. I dare you, my coaching program leads people through this, but I dare you to begin to understand yourself or know yourself without any of your performance or any of your skills attached? How do you even know you if I take away your performance and I take away your skills or your gifting? Most of us don't. Most of us are still very much in the dark of who we are. That's why the coaching program that I've put together and are leading people through is so absolutely rearranging lives that it's really mind-blowing to me. But the reality is is when you bring people into the light of who they are, they no longer flail out into darkness and they get to live an entirely different existence because they get to come out of the trinity of death that, that humanity has the option to live in, which is number one, to live in a place of shame. Shame is always saying, I am not enough. When we live from that situation, it constantly dominates and controls us and puts us in a constant striving to be able to, quote, measure up. I'm never good enough as a mom, I'm just never enough as a husband. I just can't do enough to create enough money and finances in my life. There's just never anybody really around in my life. There must be something wrong with me. I'm never enough. If you really allow yourself to consider how much that's in playing in the background of your mind, you'll realize that most of us are living from a place of shame more than we're living from the place of freedom in it. So where it gets a little more personal, that's why I told you we're going to do some spiritual growth and then some mindset development. Because so here's the real situation. A lot of times, Jesus, help me. A lot of times we'd rather pay attention to theology because at least that keeps our mind off ourself. Most of the time we're very unwilling to look at ourself. So we'll just spend all of our time saying we're learning about God and at least that's really, not, that's really noble. Which helps us do something about this feeling that we live in. Because we make the- we make theology more important than ourselves. Tough deal. Is is when I say that it almost makes you feel like I said we're more important than God. But theology is not God. But we make it God so that we can keep our mind occupied and not pay attention to us. For a theologian, that's pretty tough to have to. <laughs> But I had to come to that place in my own life. I had to come to that place to have to say, wow, I spent a whole lot more time trying to figure out God so I don't have to figure out me. When God all along said, I want to come to give you light so you can know you. Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter three is the mirror of you. He wants you to see you. Did you catch what that really means? That means when you look at Jesus, you're seeing you. So wherever area you're not living like Jesus, you're not living truly who you are. Number two is that fear is always the product of shame. Fear is, I cannot be enough. Fear begins to be the base belief system that shame continually pumps into you That you're not enough and fear begins to be the voice that says, yeah, you never will be. So you might as well quit trying and just figure out how to survive. So you adjust life into survival mode, which is the constant trigger of fight, flight, and freeze. So you're constantly living in a tense, stressed out, overwhelmed, frozen, stuck, can't feel like you can even move, don't even know what to do next, never make decision, always living in hesitation. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. You realize every time you hesitate, you don't even know how many times you hesitate a day, I bet. But every time you hesitate, you're triggering your brain that something's wrong. And at- for- Hesitate on what to order at lunch today. You've just told your mind there must be something wrong. And it will trigger the fight, flight, or freeze mechanism within you. You do it so much now you're used to it. So you don't even know it's happening. Hesitations constantly, if I'm going along and everything's going great, and I, it's a trigger in the brain that says, wait a second, something's not right. So you begin to build up guards and you begin to go into protection mode. We do it so much we don't even realize it. And so when we allow ourselves to begin to move out of hesitation and fear and begin to change this from the darkness and the bondage of this into the light and the freedom, the boundlessness of it is, is it's no longer living from I cannot be enough. It's living from I am enough. Do you know every one of you in this room right now already are enough? You kind of felt that just ripple through the crowd, didn't you? Because you could feel it, right? You are enough. And then the unfortunate thing that happens out of fear and shame is that loneliness begins to be our existence, which says, "I can't. Um, I will not allow others to see that I'm not enough." So we get fig leaves. And we begin to sew them together and we begin to build whatever facades and whatever masks and whatever barriers and whatever distance and whatever closed offness that we can live and that we can construct in our life so that we will never let anyone else see that we're not enough. So we begin to restrict ourselves and pour ourselves back into a place that we call loneliness. It means that I'm not living connected to anything because if I get too close, you'll find out I'm not enough. If I let you in too far, you'll figure this out because this is what, this is the majority of what most of us and most of humanity lives from. That's why the story of Jesus Christ is resurrection. Because what he did was save us from death. Didn't save us from our bodies stop working. He saved us from not living. This is not living. This is existing. And so the challenge becomes out of this morning is the question that I want to put in front of us is, is what level of boundlessness are you wanting to experience? What level of eternity are you wanting to live? Because you can stay where you are and God's never going to love you less. There's never going to be a drip of love lost from God towards you, ever. No matter how bound you stay in this. It never changes God's love towards you, his acceptance of you, his embrace of you. But it does determine what kind of life you will live. And it does determine what, what you will experience. And it does determine what, you, what the amount of glory that you will unlock in the earth. I didn't give you that definition. Glory isn't a cloud, although that's cool, show up gold dust can fall i'll catch it right here glory is actualized potential that's why the earth is full of the glory of god the potential is already here i know i've went over that before and i'm here the iphone that's in your hand right now is the glory of god these light bulbs these padded how much more glory is in these padded chairs and those old wooden benches I'm serious right now. There's some glory up in his house, right? You go over to Bob's house and watch him take that raw food and put that in the whatever ever he turns it into that goes on your plate, that goes in your mouth. You've experienced the glory of God because what was in that raw food had potential to become that flavor that fills that belly and the glory of God is manifested in that moment. I knew I was in Mac on cheese on cheese on cheese. (laughs) We had that the other night, didn't we? That was fantastic. So you don't even, you're not even paying attention to the glory of God that you're releasing. Because you're not even looking at the potential you're actualizing. Not only the potential that you actualize already every day, but the potential that's still within you that you've not yet actualized because you're controlled by this. Because no one in this room's done unless you've decided to stop living because this is dominating your mind so much. But you get to be free from this by his marvelous light, by the marvelous knowing that you are enough, the marvelous knowing that you can go further in who you actually are and in the marvelous knowing that you can live wide open instead of completely closed off. And it's those who will live wide open that will actualize the most potential, therefore releasing the most glory in the earth. And whoever releases the most glory gets the most influence. That's why Steve Jobs has so much influence. You really pay attention to the amount of glory that man unlocked in the earth? We're controlled by it around the world. Apples and iPhones and iPads, iMusic, podcasts because glory was unlocked through a man who wouldn't live dominated. Well, he didn't know. Je- I, I don't know. I, it's not my place to say whether I knew Jesus or not. He stepped into something that most of us haven't stepped into yet. Just saying. <laughs> so it becomes, if I can, I didn't even get to, I, I don't have enough time to tell you about red thoughts and blue thoughts, but you have to get shut the hell up to see the Trinity of love. Because it's the next section in the book. That unlocks this. But unfortunately, so much of humanity is trapped in death because they're trapped in darkness. And most of Christianity points a finger as if they're bad. But they're not bad, they just simply don't know. And the reality is is most of most of the people who say they know sit in church, still live in darkness and still live in death. Because they're very unwilling to really open their minds and open their heart to let the light shine. But you have the opportunity today to now have to figure out what you're going to do with what you've heard. Because when I show up, things change. Things will be different from here. You'll either open up to this and begin to live in a new way or you'll close off to it and you'll live in a new way as well. You can either drill down into more shame and more fear and more loneliness, or you can open yourself and live in more love and more embrace and more progress and more advancement. That's totally your choice. You're so free in that today. You are so free to make whatever choice you want to make without ever having a fear of being loved less, Because you are never loved less. And the truth is, is you're already Enough. And the truth is, you're already full success right now. And you never were not success. So at some point, as I coach people in, is that we get to actually train our minds to live from success instead of spending our life chasing it. And it's an entirely different way of doing life. It's actually the way we were designed. Your DNA is already success hi, I'm looking at you. You're here. Your DNA is wired for success because we're told in the Psalms that he formed you in your mother's womb. Your DNA was touched by boundlessness eternity before it was touched by mortality. You're actually more aware of your boundlessness than you are of your bondage. That's why bondage feels so bad. You actually are more aware of your success than you are failure. That's why failure hurts so much. It wouldn't hurt if you didn't know what it already felt like. You know, people are wounded by father issues because within them they already know what a good father is. If they didn't, they wouldn't be so hurt by their dad's mistakes. So there's never a need to use your natural dad as a reflection of your real dad. Because you were already touched by your real dad. And that left a mark in you so deep that all you're doing is spending the rest of your life to make sure all of life looks like what that touch is, feels like. Because you already know. You already know heaven. You already know eternity, you already know light, you already know success. And you're simply coming out of darkness into what you've already always known. Mm -hmm. And when we allow ourselves to be open instead of closed, we get to live in that flow instead of resisting it. And as Revelation 22 says, is in that flow produces trees of life on both sides. It has ongoing and constant fruit that's worthwhile. It's called glory. So, anybody want to step out of darkness this morning and step into light? There's a whole lot more light. Have you ever noticed? Even science tells us this: light has not yet ever stopped expanding. Right now, in this in this moment, the universe is getting larger, spherically, at the speed of light. That's how much more knowing is still happening from the moment He said, "Let there be knowing." but where have you stopped knowing and just decided you already got it? Is this okay? I'm just rambling at the moment, in this moment of flow. Because I feel your hunger. I feel the success in you saying yes to what's being said. I feel the eternity within you saying yes to your boundlessness. I sense the light within you saying yes, that I'm going to know more of who I actually am. Because I'm going to keep seeing from Jesus who God really is. In my knowing of him. Do you realize you get to have your own knowing of him? That's the knowing that you get to share with everyone else. Because you have a unique knowing that I don't have. And I have a unique knowing that you don't have. And when we put our knowings together. It becomes a pretty awesome picture. Am I right about it? I think we can do this if you want light to continue to expand in your mindsets and for you to see yourself move away from this idea of darkness and trying to get into light and this idea of failure and not making it and trying to get into success and you want to readjust your thinking and begin to rewire your understanding and mindsets to the fact you are success, you are boundless, you are enough, you are embraced, and that voice of deception called the serpent that's constantly trying to let you know that you're going to have to eat something to be better than you actually already are. If you're ready to leave that tree And start living from the tree of life in new fresh ways that you haven't done yet. You get to expand in light this morning. If that's what you feel the desire is inside of you, stand up. I just want to pray for you. What an awesome time this morning. I tried to make it quick. I don't know if that happened or not. So the reality is that this morning is that this is your moment to shut the hell up. This is your moment to be bold for we have this hope, for we have this unconditional assurance, Father's goodness prevails. So we're very bold. We're bold enough to embrace by faith the revelation of light that we already are success, that we embrace by faith the reality, the light, the knowing that we already are enough. You are enough of a wife. You are enough of a mom. You are enough of a son and a daughter. You are enough of an entrepreneur. You are enough of a creator. You are enough. You're bold enough to say yes to that light. So this morning, God, each of us in this room recognize and become aware where deception is. Oftentimes from tragedies and traumas and losses and disappointments and lies and betrayals has found root in our mind and begin to talk to us, perhaps even ways when we're still in clear back, even in the womb, where deception begin to take root in our mind and form and carve pathways in our thinking. Today, we say those are no longer the pathways we travel. Today, we walk the path of light, the knowing. One is the knowing that we've been deceived. Two is the knowing of the truth. And today we say we're freer than we've been, we are freer than we've been willing to say that we are. Today, we say we are bolder than we've been willing to say that we are. Today, we say that we are success more than we've been willing to say that we are. Today, we say we're enough. More than we've been willing to say it before. Today, we step into light. Today, we say to the voice of hell, it's time that you shut up. Today, we say to the voice of the serpent we say to the voice of deception, you are no longer my starting point. You are no longer my tether. You're no longer the anchor. You're no longer the place that I'm living from. You're the place that I've left. And so this morning we say that we are those of light. We are those of knowing. We are those of eternity. We are those of boundlessness. We are those of of success. And that's what we'll live. That's what we'll produce. That's what we'll create. That's what we'll emerge. We will be the display of glory in the earth by living fuller and more boldly into the potential that's within us. And we say we will actualize all that has been put within us from the moment of our inception. So God, we say we will unlock your glory The glory that's within will begin to be the glory that we display without because we're bold, because we are the hopeful, because we're the sons and daughters, and we're going to live iconic lives in the earth. We're going to be the very image, the very icon of glory in the earth. That's who we are, and it's what we do in Jesus' name. If you can agree with that, say a good amen. Amen. Bless you guys. It's always good to be here.